Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this week's message by Tom Hughes, we continue our journey through the book of Daniel. It's often said that pride comes before the fall, and today, Belshazzar learns that lesson the hard way. He sees the ominous writing on the wall and calls his wise men to interpret it. What does the message say, and what's in store for Belshazzar? Let's find out. But here we are, the party's over, Daniel chapter 5, and Daniel chapter 5 is, we're going to meet Belshazzar tonight. And uh, Belshazzar, this is the passage when the writing is on the wall and all things are over for him. But when we left off in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, remember what happened to him? He had a dream, another dream. Daniel said, hey, uh, Neb, I hate to tell you this, but it's basically the end of your kingdom. Uh, You're going to be out and... uh, you're going to be out for a while. You're going to be eating grass like an oxen, and, and uh, your fingernails are going to grow long. You're going to look kind of creepy, and that's exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of that time, Nebuchadnezzar said in chapter 4, verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. <clears throat> those are the final words of Nebuchadnezzar written in the Bible. Praise to the God of heaven. That's awesome. But when you pick up in chapter 5, you read the words of Belshazzar, who was his grandson. It, it ain't the same thing. Uh, in fact, Belshazzar, chapter 5, verse 1, the king, he made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and he drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and concubines might drink from them. Let me stop here for just a few minutes because this is all going to start working into where we are today too. What Nebuchadnezzar had done is he took the vessels from Jerusalem and he had brought them uh, to Babylon, but he set them aside in a secret place. Hey, those are the sacred vessels. I'm not going to be messing with those things. Belshazzar comes along, and uh, he says, hey, we're going to take those sacred vessels, and we are going to party with them. Woohoo! It was a big mistake. Uh, very bad. We'll get into that in a minute. It also says here that Belshazzar was his uh, son. It's actually his grandson. In both the Hebrew and Aramaic, uh, in this portion of Daniel written in Aramaic, there was no word for grandson, only son. So you see that a lot in the Bible, say sons or fathers, and it's actually a reference to a grandson, or even a great-grandson, something like that. So I hear Belshazzar is the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. We'll look at that in just a second, too. But with this, I think the party's over, and i got to kind of wonder if the party is over for America. I'm going to tell you something. I believe we are at the end. Um, I believe we are already experiencing God's judgment. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. I can look back two months ago, and I was very concerned. I have come to this conclusion over the past couple of weeks that, that we've, we've crossed the Rubicon. And I know that's bothersome for a lot of people to hear, but I'm very disturbed by what I see. When we were in Israel, I was watching people that I've known for years over there, friends, and listening to them, and I could see and sense that they, they uh, uh, with, without them saying it, uh, they know they're isolated. They know they are all alone. You can see a much tighter-knit group of uh, Israelis than I had in the times past. And 
you can sense they've, they know they've got some very bad neighbors. Right now, Saudi Arabia is a friend of theirs and Egypt and Jordan. But they also know that the reason why they're friends with them is because uh, Iran is the enemy and Iran, Iran wants to wipe them all off the map. So right now they're all uh, friendly with Israel, but you can really sense it. You can sense everything uh, just really ramping up over there and, and on down the list. And I look at America, I do believe we're at this place uh, where the party's over. And I know that's disturbing to a lot of people. I'm not saying it to be disturbing. I'm saying it because I, I, I'm very concerned as I watch uh, America, I watch the church in America, and hardly anybody wants to hear messages about what is going on in the, in the end times or things that are happening right now. Um, they don't want to hear it anymore. Uh, they just prefer all the good news. But just think of, uh, of a couple of things that we've seen. Um, here, here's this. This is where we are in America. Transgender or in the world. Transgender activists get female birthing coach fired from position as Dula, UK spokesperson for saying that only women can have babies. You know, but that, that's over in the UK. This is America, too, you know, these things. You see these things, you think, this is just psycho. You know, what in the world is going on? I'll probably uh, be threatened with a lawsuit because I just said this is psycho. You know, you look at this and you go, it really is, this is nuts. And then you have this, downtown Hong Kong becomes a battlefield. Police fire... Uh, Tear gas at masked anti-government protesters who fight back with petrol bombs. Bombs. You look at these things that are taking place. We have civil unrest that is really, uh, it, it seems to be getting out of control. This speaks to uh, where Jesus said, um, nation will turn against nation. People group against people group is what that means. And man, we are watching it. Then there's this. Uh, Minnesota, Muslim migrants arrested and charged with sending drones to Hezbollah. Um, this is from America. In Minnesota, let's apply... Hezbollah is a terrorist group. You know that? You have Hezbollah in the north. You have Hamas in the Gaza area and also in parts of the West Bank. And then there's this. Gaza, this is from Ynet News over in Israel. Gaza militants say they won't turn blind eye on latest Israeli strikes. What are the latest Israeli strikes? Here's what happened. We're boarding the plane to come back. I think it was Friday... And all of a sudden, my phone lights up, and I'm getting all these alerts. Anybody else have that red alert? Of all these, these uh, missiles that are being fired into Israel, Israel retaliated two strategic targets, and, and now Gaza militants say, we are going to put up with their retaliation. And Israel, if they do anything, in fact, Israel has the Iron Dome. And that is missiles that are there to shoot down the rockets that are coming at Israel. They're protecting themselves. The UN has said that Israel is fighting unfairly because they have the Iron Dome. This is true. And you look at this and you go, this is just insane. So they're just supposed to sit there and say, we're not going to protect ourselves. That's exactly uh, the direction uh, that this world is going. But it doesn't stop there. Enter Bernie Sanders, who happens to be Jewish. Bernie Sanders says that as president, he will divert aid from Israel and send it to the Gaza Strip where it will be used to bankroll terror group Hamas. And you look at this and you go, this is just nuts. But this is the world that you and I live in. Damon Duck writes in uh, The Tribulation Coming. This is just an article published today. He said a few things. First, the rider on the black horse in the book of Revelation is famine and economic collapse. 
he's writing about the things that are coming. He goes, man, you need to be warned. We have all this news happening, that news coming from Bernie Sanders. You look, and he says, uh, the rider on the the black horse is a representation of famine and economic collapse. Um, In late October 2019, it was reported that pork is a favorite meal in China, but swine fever has killed millions of pigs, and it, it has now been discovered that humans can get swine fever from eating pork. The death of millions of pigs has caused the price of pork to more than double in the past year, so pork is now luxury food in China, and many of the Chinese are now eating cheaper foods such as dogs and rabbits. Um, so, I mean, but you see this. He's, he's saying, look, as we head towards the last days in the tribulation period, it's not going to be just pigs. It's going to be a mass famine because of uh, economic collapse and, and uh, what is coming, and also because of pestilence. Second, he writes, Drug uh, abuse will be a major uh, sin during the tribulation period, and people will refuse to repent. The King James Bible calls it sorceries. I believe my Bible does also. Uh, but the original word, Greek word is pharmakia. Um, he talks about marijuana and uh, the, the uh, legalization of it, but I see it way beyond marijuana. Uh, what we have is a, uh, an epidemic of legal drugs, uh, drugs that are uh, uh, prescribed by uh, doctors and people are on these things, and man, some of them are tough to get off of. Um, a while back, I think I told you about my fun kidney stone issue I had a while back, right? So you get prescribed some pretty heavy drugs to get through that. You know, they hit me up with morphine and then some other things, and then they sent me home with some Percocet. And, uh, and I realized these are the things that people get addicted to, and I had to get off of that as fast as I possibly could. But you look at that, and you look at what's going on in America. We look at our own valley, and you see the drug epidemic and the destruction it, uh, that, it, uh, that it brings. And yet, uh, that's one of the, the signs, the sorcerers, or the drug addiction that will take place in the last days. 30 writes about natural disasters increasing in frequency and intensity. On October 20th, nine tornadoes passed through northern Texas, causing an estimated $2 billion in destruction and that may go up. Officials are calling this the most expensive tornado damage in the history of the state, uh, maybe the worst ever. And then we look at California, and California is burning. And you know, we can say for whatever reason we want to say, I have my own opinions. I think we have really lousy policies coming out of Sacramento that are destroying this state. I, I was talking with somebody this morning, and, and, and we were talking about California. You have such a beautiful state. I mean, you have the beaches, you have the mountains, you have the desert. You look out here, and it's beautiful. The sunrise over San Jacinto, and, and, uh, the, and you have beautiful sunset. You have so many things going on here, and, and great things to do. What nice weather uh, almost all of the time, and, and uh, God puts, this, makes this beautiful place, and man has messed this thing up so bad. And you look at what's going on in San Francisco and the streets of San Francisco and the poverty in one of the richest states and the richest cities in the world. And you have the severe poverty and the the mental illness and and the policies that only make these problems worse. And you have money that is supposed to go to roads. Now I'm getting all political. Uh, Maybe I should run for office. That'd be bad. I don't want that to happen. That would be an awful thing. It ain't going to happen. I've seen that. But, But you look at everything. Yeah, and you're, you're going, this is just insanity. It's like these things are done intentionally to ruin uh, uh, good things. Uh, fourth, he writes, on October 23, this is when I was in Israel, 
about 800 men from the tribe of Levi gathered near the Holda Gate in the wall around Jerusalem to sing psalms that Levi sang at the temple during Old Testament times. Some wore clothing and some blew on silver trumpets that had been made for the use uh, at a rebuilt temple. Other musicians from the tribe of Levi, Levi uh, participated in the singing. One song says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my help comes from, Psalm 121. You look at that and you think there's people, more and more people are saying we want to build the temple. Uh, the, uh, while we were in Israel, it was um, uh, 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 Ben, um, oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, who? Ben Shapiro, thank you very much. I knew somebody would get it. Ben Shapiro said, uh, and he's got a powerful voice right now, He's probably one of the smartest people alive, too. And he's young. And he, he says, he's Orthodox Jew, but he says, it's time for synagogue to be on the Temple Mount. Let me tell you, coming from Ben Shapiro, that is a big statement. And um, to have things going that way, and I was over in Israel, and I read that, and I said, wow. And then we were up on Temple Mount, I think, the next day, looking at the Gold Dome and, and this fever that, that's starting to be created. In fact, it was so crowded in Jerusalem, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen it like that. Uh, tourism is way up. People doing their aliyah has gone up. And it was so crowded. It was way more crowded than Manhattan is. And I've been there. And I'm looking going, man, but this, this, this excitement building. Listen, I believe the Messiah is coming. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And I seriously do not think that we have a lot of time uh, left. Uh, Damon Duck went on to say fifth concerning his coming. Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and stars, and there will be distress of nations with perplexity. Uh, we have that. And then he says, uh, the sea and the waves will be roaring. And, uh, and, and also we think of Matthew, where Jesus said there will be nation against nation, again, the civil unrest. And he writes this, on October 22, Worthy News reported that there have been large demonstrations this year in Lebanon, Chile, Spain, Haiti, Iraq, Sudan, Russia, Egypt, Uganda, Indonesia, Ukraine, Peru, Hong Kong, Zimbabwe, Colombia, France, Turkey, Venezuela, the Netherlands, Ethiopia, Brazil, Malawi, Algeria, and Ecuador, among other places. <laughs> you look at this, and you go, what in the world is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The party's over. Jesus is coming, and we, we better be ready. A sixth, God told Daniel, that there will be an increase of knowledge at the end of the age. That's in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, if we're not raptured by them, we'll be there soon enough. But on October 24th, Google announced, get this, that it created a quantum computer that took th 3 minutes and 20 seconds, listen to this, to solve a problem that the world's fastest computers require 10,000 years to solve. This is unbelievable what is going on. And you look at this and you go, is all of this just a quinky-dink? A coincidence? I don't think so. And then we have this. Uh, Republicans say Pelosi's impeachment inquiry is a Soviet-style uh, show trial. Uh, uh, is it? This article, speaking to this, says 25 mind-blowing things likely to happen if if the Democrats succeed in removing Trump from office. And I'll just read some of them. This is his own author's ideas. He says, number one, the stock market will implode. I think it's quite likely. I think a lot of things will implode. The stock market and real estate, nevertheless. Number two, once Trump is impeached, 
convicted and removed from office, the focus will immediately shift to removing Mike Pence. I absolutely believe it. He's, he's an outspoken uh, uh, believer in Christ, and people do not like that. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second, too, about being a believer in Christ. Once Nancy Pelosi becomes president, she'll immediately push to nominate and have Hillary Clinton confirmed as vice president. I don't know. At this point, the Republican Party will have folded into oblivion. Uh, number five, this is not a prediction, but a possibility, writes this author. I guess the rest were predictions. I don't know. I'm not saying these will happen. This is his own thinking. Um, after being removed from office, Trump could form his own political party and run for president again. And if elected, he could serve for two more terms. Look at this guy, man. At, number six, after removing Trump from office and installing Hillary as president, Democrats will immediately begin to work to reverse all of Trump's Supreme Court uh, nominees. Um, uh, and has, then it goes on to say, since, since uh, Trump was convicted of working with the Russians to steal the election, da 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 da, da right? Uh, uh, number eight, uh, they'll reverse Trump's tax cuts. Uh, number nine, removing Trump will also unleash a coordinated agenda to block upcoming confirmations of pro-Second Amendment um, uh, judges to federal courts, the Second Amendment. Uh, who was it? it? was Dave Chappelle, comedian Dave Chappelle, who said the other day, uh, the First Amendment is free speech. We need to keep the First Amendment. And the reason we have the Second Amendment, right to bear arms, is because when they try to get rid of free speech, you need the Second Amendment. And you look at that and how true that is. Um, number 10, it's unlikely that all the Democrat nullification actions described will ever succeed because the moment Trump is convicted by the U.S. Senate, America will likely see a massive patriot uprising uh, against the corrupt establishment. Now, I don't know about that last one. I, don't, I, I, I just don't think enough Americans will be that upset over it. And, but I think that we really need to warn people uh, that Jesus is coming. Then I, I want to show you this one. Um, a ministry offers free Bibles to Kanye fans after new album caused Jesus to trend on Google. Now, say what you want about Kanye West. This is what I know. He's been coming out and saying he's a believer in Jesus Christ. You want to know what's happening to him? Uh, people on one side are saying, get rid of Kanye West. And, and Christians are saying, we don't believe Kanye West. What's up with that? You know, I, I don't understand why Christians go around shooting someone who may be popular or whatever, just uh, shooting them with whatever verbal things they possibly can. I find it offensive. I find it appalling. Uh, and they say, well, he's not really a believer. How do you know he's not really a believer? You know, you start hearing this stuff, and I don't know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but I'll tell you this much, he's proclaiming the gospel, and I know this much with the Apostle Paul, when, when uh, some people said, yeah, but they're not preaching Christ the same way that you preach Christ. Well, let Christ be preached, regardless of how he's doing it. And I look at this, and I'll tell you this much, Kanye West, this is what you should be doing as a Christian. This goes to everybody on uh, watching on YouTube too. You need to be praying for him. He is one of the most influential people on the entire this entire planet. He's more influential than Greg Laurie. He's more influential than Franklin Graham. And you look at this and you go, this is what we should be doing for a man like him. Is praying for him to be strengthened instead of shooting at him verbal stuff to tear him down. And I just find it very, I found it awful that that's what's happening from Christian churches. And too many are saying, well, he's just not a believer. How on earth do you know that? I know what happened with Bob Dylan many years ago. He said he's a believer and Christians jumped on the bandwagon. 
Then he said he's not. Then he said he isn't. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen. But I don't know what's going to happen with any of you either. You know, I look at this and I go, he's preaching Christ. Praise God, he's preaching Christ. And pray for him. Because his voice is more powerful than all of us combined uh, could ever possibly be. And it may be, it just may be, that Jesus is raising up a man who has the ability to reach more people than anybody else because Jesus is coming. He wants people to hear the gospel. So whatever happens with him, keep praying for him. And, uh, and who knows what else is going to happen. But I think, man, uh, we live in exciting days. But indeed, I also think we live in the time that the party is over. Uh, some of you, if you're old enough like me, uh, when um, Monday Night Football first started like a million years ago, uh, Howard Cosell, remember Howard Cosell? How many of you remember Howard Cosell? There's a lot of old people here, man. <laughs> Howard Cosell and Dom Meredith, remember that? Okay, so Dom Meredith, at the end of, near the end of the game, when it was obvious one team was going to lose, you know, you're starting to, he was, remember he used to sing a song, turn out the lights, the party's over. And that's what's going on with Nebuchadnezzar, or, or Belshazzar, and Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, the party is over. Nebuchadnezzar's now off the scene, Belshazzar's here, um, Belshazzar is his uh, grandson. Um, here's a chart, uh, this isn't, I, I threw this up there for you to look at, um, but uh, you can go online and check it out, people who are watching online right now, they can see it, and you can do a screenshot when you go back later and, and check it out just to follow some of, the, uh, some of the details. After Nebuchadnezzar's death, it didn't take long for greed and pride to fill, to find their place. Um, you go from chapter 4, verse 37 to chapter 5, and it's all changed. And Nebuchadnezzar's son, Evil Murdoch, reigned only two years before his brother-in-law, Nergalasser, assassinated him. After he reigned for six years, Nergalasser died. Then his son, Labashi Marduk, Stepped into power, but he was only a child with mental handicaps. His rule lasted nine months before he was beaten to death by a gang of conspirators for Nabonidus. And then Nabonidus took the throne. Nabonidus spent most of his reign away from Babylon so he could secure the borders and make the empire stronger. But since he was away from um, Babylon, he appointed his son, uh, Belshazzar, who we read, just read a little bit about here in uh, chapter 5. Uh, Babylon was a heavily fortified city. Uh, Belshazzar fed his flesh to his heart's content, thinking he was safe. Conservative figures set the dimensions of the ancient city of Babylon like this. The outer walls were 17 miles long. They were 22 feet thick, 90 feet high. Those are some serious walls. 90 feet high, 22 feet thick. Um, the outer walls had guard towers, that are believed to be at least 100 feet high. So this is, that's some serious walls. Who could possibly break into that? The city gates were made of bronze. The city had a system of inner and outer walls and moats that made the city very secure. However, it was through the moats and the, and the waterways that uh, the Medes were able to get into the city. They just went on in, went on underneath everything and got in there, and that was the end of Belshazzar. Uh, Gleason Archer notes, that for decades and even longer, no invader had been able to storm the city. To Belshazzar, the king we met in chapter 5, verse 1, just a few minutes ago, Babylon was considered unconquerable. But in the distance, the Medo-Persian king Cyrus and his army were making their way to Babylon. Nabonidus and his troops 
headed them off at the Tigris River, but it didn't last long. Nebuchadnezzar was uh, forced to withdraw, and he's believed to be captured by, Cy uh, by Cyrus. As such, Cyrus had an open road to Babylon. But Belshazzar thinks, okay, so my dad was captured. Big deal. I mean, he's really not a caring guy. Uh, <coughs> he still wasn't worried about it. He felt he was safe within this massive uh, city that had this incredible protection. Babylon also had nearly a 20-year supply of food in their massive warehouses. So he thought, even if Cyrus came, we'll be able to outlast uh, the, the armies that Cyrus brings with him. So the Arakin king, he scoffed at Cyrus, and he conceived the perfect way to show how confident he was. And what's he do here? In chapter 5, verse 1, he throws a party. And he says, let the festivities begin brings out the holy vessels that were seized from the temple, and he says, we're going to party with these in your face, God. I believe that's where we are in America. Um, we've said, you know, we don't really care. If there's a God in heaven, ah, whatever, right? Um, raise their fist at God, and nobody's going to stop us. We're going to do whatever we please to do. The first thing we note with this party being over is... Uh, it's the partying of great indulgence. Chapter 5, verse 1, um, Belshazzar has a great feast. There's a thousand of his lords are invited to this great feast. Uh, verse 2, he pulls out the gold and silver vessels that were used in the worship of the temple for the glory of God. Belshazzar says, I'm going to drink from these, and so is everybody else that is here. Verse 3 and then he brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Wow! This is not going to go well at all for, for Belshazzar. Um, notice here a couple of things. A, Daniel is not invited to the party. Here's what happened. Remember how awesome Daniel was, right? Set apart through the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar raised up Daniel. Uh, but a new king comes in. And uh, all of the kings, his administrators and everybody, King Nebuchadnezzar's, would have been set aside because a new administration came in. Uh, so Daniel, for a number of years now, has been set aside. Nothing's going on with him. Ever felt that way? Nothing's really going on with you? Listen, praise God. Here's a little bit of uh, uh, just encouragement. Praise God. Be glad when the world thinks enough of your Christian faith that it won't invite you to the party because you're going to ruin it. Um, not by being a jerk, not by being a weirdo, but just by your presence. Because you represent the Lord. Um, and because you represent the Lord, again, not because you're offensive. Some people, some Christians are just offensive and they ruin everything. That's different. That's not what this is about. It's just because you're a follower of the living God. Uh, Daniel's uh, not invited to the party. Uh, this party was enormous. This wasn't just a thousand of his lords, a thousand of his leaders. Uh, David Jeremiah writes, it also would have included their wives. So this, this is a huge party. Uh, archaeologists excavated the site of Babylon. It's about uh, 50 miles south of Baghdad, I believe. And um, they discovered a meeting hall that was 60 feet by 172 feet. And it's believed to be the place where this party was. So we can imagine uh, what's going on here. Belshazzar feels invincible. In his mind, 
He's the greatest king of the world. The city is a massive fortress. Uh, the walls are 90 feet high, 22 feet wide. Who could penetrate this city? A 20-year supply of food if any army is coming from the outside. <coughs> so who could stop him? Who's more powerful than Belshazzar? He did not know what his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar knew, that there is a God in heaven who rules over the kingdoms of men. But Belshazzar is arrogant. He does what no other king before him had done. When Nebuchadnezzar had seized Jerusalem, he carried off those temple vessels and he stored them as sacred treasures. And we can visualize what was going on. Uh, think of communion and, and a holy time or uh, the Passover for the Jews, the, the, the time of communion for us. And we set it apart as a time of remembrance for what the Lord has done for us, forgiving us of sins. Uh, think of the Passover for the Jews, a time of remembering when they were delivered from the hands of the Egyptians and given freedom. And then you think of the temple worship. And they bring out these temple worship items. And they begin to get drunk, uh, intentionally drunk, uh, blaspheming the Lord. Uh, uh, imagine filling up the, the gold vessels, filling them with whiskey and smoking a joint. And, and cursing the God of heaven. And saying, in your face, God. Uh, that's the, the uh, illustrative side of what was going on here. Um, no other king was foolish enough to touch these sacred vessels that were only meant for the worship of God of heaven. But Belshazzar, he thought differently. Uh, and he used those vessels to toast to his own God. Uh, we can imagine how this went. Um, the two generations have gone by. Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, I imagine Belshazzar laughing. Who needs that crutch? Uh, Bel uh, Nebuchadnezzar was Bel Nebuchadnezzar is the one who built Babylon. Belshazzar, this guy is the one who inherited it. He's thinking he's the hot shot. He's the big man. My grandpa, what a loser he was. He trusted in the God of heaven before he died. A Kanye West. Oh, what a loser. His life must be going bad in Hollywood, so now he's got to turn to this Christian God. Uh, that kind of thinking. Uh, you, you look, and you can, we can imagine the ridicule of the Belshazzar and all of his friends toward those who were believers in the God of heaven. Uh, but it wasn't going to go well at all. It's only a couple of generations have gone by, and God is out of the picture completely. Let's move on. <clears throat> so number one, this parting of great indulgence. Number two, it's the handwriting on the wall. Uh, verse five, in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Can you imagine you're watching this hand? Just, that's all you see is a hand. Uh-oh, what have I been drinking? And then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. And the king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. You know, all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar 
was greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall, and the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your hearts, your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom who is, uh, in whom the spirit of the holy God is in him. And in the days of your father, in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, your grandpa, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your king, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give you the interpretation. Wow. This is where we get that proverbial phrase, you can see the writing on the wall. Uh, when, when, when you know something, you, you can tell which direction something's going. You talk to your kid, look, here's the writing on the wall. Uh, you've been there and done that, right? You talk to a friend, you can see everything. We, we, um, but I, I like this, verse 6, his countenance changed. His lips are loosened, his, his lips, his hips are loosened, and his knees start knocking together. I mean, you see it, right? You see cartoons like, ah! but that's what's literally happening to him. He's sobered up in a hurry. Just like his grandfather, Belsh- uh, uh, this is what Belshazzar did first. He seeks help from the, the ungodly. Remember when, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar did that? He said, I want you to bring all the soothsayers, all the counselors, all the astrologers, Bring them all to me. Tell me my dream and the interpretation of my dream. Uh, his grandson, Belshazzar, does the exact same thing. He calls for the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the soothsayers, the same group. They cannot interpret uh, the writing. Will men ever learn? The God of heaven has the answers to the secret things. In fact, in Psalm 44, verse 21, he knows the secrets of the heart. And also in the book of Deuteronomy, we are told that the secret things belong to God. Seek God. Too often we won't even seek the Lord, even as believers. Or the Lord is the last person that we seek. Where we, we seek all our friends, we seek this advice from this person and that person. And then finally, after six months of misery and nothing working out, well, Lord, what do you think I should do? Well, finally, gee, thanks for finally turning to me. It could have, solved, could have helped you a long time ago, but now you got yourself into a fine mess. Now, this is where Nebuchadnezzar, or Belshazzar is, excuse me. <clears throat> he seeks help from the ungodly, but then, like his grandfather before him, he turns to help from the godly. He decides to turn to someone else. Verse 10 says, the queen is summoned. The queen is probably Nebuchadnezzar's daughter and Belshazzar's mom. So, uh, Belshazzar, uh, his um uh, dad was the son-in-law of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, so it's likely that this queen is Nebuchadnezzar's um, daughter. Uh, we can see again how this works out. Daniel's been irrelevant for years. He's been set aside for years. But he was faithful. And the queen knew that this Daniel was faithful. Um, she knew my dad trusted in Neb- uh, my dad Nebuchadnezzar He trusted in this Daniel. He raised him up in the kingdom. Again, we can be set aside for years and years and years. And we can be discouraged. Nevertheless, God will work in us and God will work through us. And sometimes 
we have no idea what the timing or the circumstances are going to be when all of a sudden God says, listen, I want to use you. Listen, let's get a takeaway here. Here's a takeaway. Uh, first takeaway, never underestimate what God can do through you. Uh, listen, are you a follower of God? Then, then, then follow him and let him work out all of the details, all of the stuff that we, that we need to know and, and the things that God wants to do. Our, our position is to follow the Lord. Daniel followed the Lord, and when he was challenged with compromise, he refused to compromise, and he just said, this is what I do. I ask the Lord, and the Lord ministers to me, and he ministers through me. But Daniel had been set aside for a long time. And then all of a sudden, he gets the phone call. Hey, can you come through the office? Sure, again, yeah. Let's see how this goes. Uh, I found this, and I thought it was rather fitting. Um, on the left is the line where there's nobody there. Unpleasant truths. The other side, where all the people are standing, comforting lies. This describes today. This describes humanity, doesn't it? And sometimes when we're telling the truth, nobody wants to hear from us. Nobody wanted to hear from Daniel. So what does Belshazzar do? He calls for the uncomforting liars. Tell me what I want to hear. He calls up CNN. Tell me what I want to hear, right? I'm getting a little too political, I guess. Um, but this is true. And we can feel like we are set aside. Uh, listen, this this how this works in our life as Christians. Press forward in the name of the Lord. There's coming a time when people that you know who won't really don't want to talk to you much right now. One day the bottom's going to fall out. One day they're going to need somebody to talk to. And if you're a person of good character and they know you love the Lord and you're not a jerk, you're not a weirdo, you're not that kind of. They're going to call you when they need help. Um, I was called, uh, while I was in Israel, um, by a friend of mine. We were friends 40 years ago. And then we lost contact with each other uh, in the last 30 years. We've only seen each other probably three or four times. And uh, we saw each other a few years back. Uh, somebody else connected us, said, hey, let's all go out to dinner. So a few of us did. And he got a hold of me because his wife had passed away. And so I'm doing the memorial service for his wife, who I was friends with, uh, back right out of high school. So it goes back 40, 45 years. And uh, listen, God will minister. And you never know when you're going to get that phone call. But press forward. Right now, maybe nobody wants to listen to what you have to say. But be strong. Be faithful. God will minister. Amen? Let's move on. <clears throat> we have uh, number three. Uh, we have the telling of the past. I had to get things that would kind of work together. That's why I have these weird words in here. Uh, the parting of great indulgence, the handwriting on the wall, the telling of the past. Verse 13, what happened? Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, <coughs> whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and the astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give me the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, <coughs> you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answers, I don't want none of that stuff. He says before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. 
and give your rewards to somebody else. I don't need it. But, yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened with pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with the grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. Just stop here for a minute. You look at this and you think, there you go. Um, you wouldn't listen. You thought you were it. God raised up your gramps. And God worked incredibly through him. But God also humbled him. And he looked up to the Lord of heaven and he praised God before he died. Belshazzar, you come along two generations and you think, look at this great Babylon that I have built. And then you take the holy vessels from the temple and you mock God. And you get drunk with your thousand men and all of the naked women that are running around with these things from the temple and you say, ha, 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 ha. Let me tell you, Belshazzar, you're done. You are finished. Number four is the predicting in the present. Look at this, verse 22 again. But you, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. Um, you have lifted up against yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all of your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand uh, of, were, were sent from him. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Many, many tickle you farson. What is that? Uh, many signifies numeration. Tickle signifies wane as in scales. You farson uh, signifies division. Then Daniel goes on and explains. This is the interpretation of each word. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tickle, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Verse 29, Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made, him, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in all of the kingdom. I, I find that kind of humorous. Uh, Daniel, he's promoted for like a couple hours. Because... because uh, 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 it doesn't appear that Belshazzar quite gets what is going, uh, what, what's going on. Uh, but this is what God says about all of our hearts. The Bible tells us, 1 Samuel chapter 2, Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him 
our deeds are weighed. Uh, the ancient Egyptians had an idea of this divine judgment. Although they misapplied it to their own gods, they said that after death, a person was taken to the hall of judgment where his heart was removed and weighed on the scales against a feather. If the heart was light, it was pure. If not, he was weighted down with sin and would suffer punishment. Uh, now check this out. Um, a hundred years before this party by, um, what's the name, Belshazzar, the prophet Jeremiah, it's a hundred years before, about this time, Jeremiah chapter 51, make the arrows bright, gather the shields, the Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, for his plan is against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance for his temple. What was going on? They're getting drunk with the vessels of the temple. A hundred years before this with the Medes, God said, this is what's going to happen. And Daniel comes and says, I know what that says. And this, you're done, you are done, Belshazzar. Jeremiah also said this, and I will make drunk her princes and wise men. All the people invited to the party. They're going to get drunk. Her governors, her deputies, her mighty men, and they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not awake. In other words, they're going to die, and it ain't going to go good, says the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. Wow. Crazy stuff. Last thing. The party is over. Verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Um, let, let's, let's put all of this together, all right? Uh, check this out. The curse of winning the lottery. Some people say, Woohoo! I've won! Belshazzar, I've got my kingdom. Let's throw a party. It's over. I found this also. Um, 11 lottery winners who died tragically. Right? This is the problem. Uh, like Belshazzar, we can all put our hopes in the things of this world. Your life is going to end. It is going to be over. Many, many tickle you farce, and all of us are going to be weighed in the balances. But we, we, we can put the hopes in the things of this world. Um, they're all temporary. Uh, the accolades are temporary. The rewards are temporary. Uh, again, I think of Kanye West. Um, he seems to have understood that no matter how many millions I might be worth, it's only temporary. Praise God. Uh, the poorest man needs to realize it's only temporary. Uh, the poorest man can be as greedy as the richest man. And the rich man uh, might not be greedy at all. Maybe he's given it to the Lord. But, but this is what we all need to know, is this life will end. A couple of things. Judgment may be slow, but it is certain. It is certain. God says, Genesis chapter 6, my spirit will not strive with man forever. Judgment may be slow, but it is certain. Judgment may be slow, but it is thorough. It will grind us. And Nebuchadnezzar, or Belshazzar, excuse me, the kingdom's over. It's certain and it's thorough. It is done. Lehman Strauss wrote, empires do not stand by human might, man-made machines and missiles. There's not a wall high enough nor thick enough to prevent a nation from falling when God pronounces that nation's doom. Um, I think we're there. Uh, many people think that the U.S., like Belshazzar, 
uh, that America is a country that is impregnable. Um, I just don't, I, I, I think we've crossed the Rubicon. Um, David Jeremiah wrote, the history tells us the Vandals who sacked Rome in A.D. 455 sat among the Roman Senate, listening toward the orator, proposing a plan to stop them if they should ever invade the land. But they were already in the land, they were sitting in the Senate. Does that describe America? You look at this and you're thinking, this is just unbelievable. Then there's this. I want you to think of this. Downtown Hong Kong becomes a battlefield. Police fire tear gas at masked anti-government protesters who fight back with petrol bombs. I showed you that earlier, right? That's in China. Could that ever happen here? Well, I, I think we're. I, I think so. Uh, the New York Times says airing the national anthem on TV could trigger viewers who hear political overtones. This is the world that we live in. The Roman government destroyed from within. The Roman Empire destroyed from within. Uh, as David Jeremiah quotes from history, uh, the, 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 the um, enemy was already sitting in the Senate. All you got to do is look at what's going on, turn on the news, and we see where we are. Um, and I also want you to think of this. In Romans chapter 1, the people worship the creation rather than the creator. God talks about a generation of people that will do that. Romans chapter 1, read it for yourself. Anybody watching, read it for yourself. Worship the creation rather than the creator. That's what we have going on in this world right now. And then God also talks about homosexuality. Men line with men and women line with women. Here's the problem. In Romans chapter 1, when God turns the people over to their reprobate mind, once they've hit that, that is part of the judgment. And I see what's happening in America. Not just that. You look at just this bizarre Stuff that makes absolutely no sense. Apart from a reprobate mind, how could people think the way they think? And I look at that and I think that's a sign that we're already under judgment. And people don't want to hear it. They absolutely don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear a message like this. They don't want to hear that that could possibly happen to America. Listen, I do not like what I see happening. Um, I have kids that are in high school. And I think, okay, coming up in this world, Lord Jesus, come quickly. If he doesn't come, it's a frightening place to start thinking about. And you think, I've got bad news. It's not going to get better until Jesus comes back. In fact, I know what this says. It's going to get worse. But these are signs of the days that we live in. And we also need to remember on a personal not note, not just with the country as a whole, but judgment will come, it will be certain, it will be thorough, and we will be called to give an account. Hebrews chapter 9, it's, an, it's appointed to men to die once, and after that comes the judgment. And Jesus himself said that every idle word that men speak, they will give an account for in the day of judgment. And so we look at all these things, man, we better be ready. A couple of final takeaways. Um, second takeaway is this. Uh, God does not condemn having a good time. But can be, he be invited to your party? You know, so if we start thinking about this and thinking, okay, let's put all of this into a nutshell. We've got to be ready. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Are we ready to meet our maker? Uh, do, do we know him? Are we surrendered to him? Um, I'm, I'm troubled. 
I was talking with some, uh, a gentleman, I, I won't mention his name, he's pretty well known in Israel, and I had lunch with him, and uh, he's a believer in Christ, and he, he has relationship with a few other pastors here in this country, and he said he was talking to one of his pa- uh, friends that's a pastor of a church of about 10,000 people, and he said, you do realize that um, probably about only, he said, probably 30% of your people don't know the Lord. He said, the pastor argued with him. And I said, unfortunately, I have a feeling the number's a lot higher than that. And I preach judgment and grace and the need for forgiveness and his mercy and the second coming of Christ all the time. I'm troubled by the amount of people who go to church like the Bible says they will in the last days, have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. The Bible talks about a church that's going to be lukewarm. In other words, people going that, yeah, they're not really hot, they're not really cold. Ah, yeah, that Jesus stuff is okay, but they're not sold out. And you start looking at it, and you think, okay, um, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. But you start start balancing it out. Where am I really in my relationship with Christ? Belshazzar was having a great time. His problem was, it was against God. Um, uh, We need to ask ourselves, am I sold out for the Lord? Am I ready to meet the Lord? I kind of feel like on a Sunday night I'm preaching to the choir in these things. Nevertheless, we all need to hear the gospel of Jesus. I never know who might not be saved that even watches Sunday nights. Uh, And then the last takeaway is this, don't take serious things lightly. Um, Belshazzar's miscalculations about Cyrus were a deadly mistake. Um, and we need to calculate um, where we are with Christ and take a serious evaluation of ourselves. As I mentioned several times tonight, I believe that this, uh, Jesus coming for his people is going to happen really soon. It might not happen tomorrow, but it might happen tomorrow. It might not happen for 50 years. But it might happen Tuesday. And we, we don't know. But I look at all of the things that are developing, folks, we need to be ready. And if you're not ready, if you're not sold out for the Lord, you need to be sold out for the Lord. And, and you need to get there now. And you can't, you can't wait around anymore. And praise God for the gospel being preached out there right now. But I look at all of the things that are happening it's troubling. I look at what's happening to America, but not just America. I look at the world. Nevertheless, I have the Bible that tells me this is how it's going to look in the last day. So are you ready? Are you sold out for him? Uh, are you surrendered to him? Say, man, I want to live for you with all of my heart, Lord. If not, may the Lord convict you and challenge you. May you be willing to receive and step to, up to the challenge that he gives you. Amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.